Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, from the Santa Monica Studios, ready to give you all the tennis content you need as the 2023 season comes to a close. This is a great show. You're not going to want to miss this one. A special treat for you. Paul Anacone and Lindsey Davenport, two A-list guests on the show, talking men's and women's tennis. Paul Anacone discusses Yannick Sinner's return to the winner's circle in Vienna, defeating Medvedev, how he's elevated his game. Felix Oze Aliassime winning a title in Basel, finding his groove again. All the action from the ATP Paris Indoor Masters. Some epic matchups. Hubie Hercosh and Holger Runa looking to get to the ATP Finals, as well as Novak Djokovic's return to the court. And recorded before, Carlos Alcaraz was upset early, so you know keep that in mind. But Paul Anacone, a lot of insight on Andy Murray what's next for him after a tough loss that and so much more with paul anacone but up first it's the hall of famer lindsey davenport to discuss the wta finals in cancun davenport breaks down how each of the eight ladies reached this tremendous honor to get to the final event of the year previews some matchups discusses trends early sabalenka coco Goff, iga of course jesse pagula making a run as well lots to discuss with lindsey davenport including her being named the captain of the U.S. Billie Jean King Cup team starting in 2024. A tremendous honor and a very deserving one at that. It's Lindsay Davenport followed by Paul Anacone on Tennis Channel Inside In, and it starts right now. All right, Inside In is back from the Tennis Channel studios. Mitch Michaels here joined again by second time on the show, reoccurring guest, and a new job title as well. The captain in 2024, the U.S. Billie Jean King Cup team, Lindsay Davenport, back again. First off, you know, I spoiled it, but congrats on the big news. It's <laughs> exciting, and a lot of people spoke very highly when you got that job, like it was the perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Well, first, thank you for having me back on. Mitch, I didn't think you were going to invite me again. I just oh, wasn't sure how yeah. the first one went. You Can know? I say, though, we got a lot of good feedback. <laughs> um, the hot button one was... The leaving your husband leaving you to party with the Stanley Cup. Oh, we that is disagreement. true. Yeah, no, that, that was. I think okay. it was basically hockey says <laughs> sports fans and non-sports fans couldn't understand, <laughs> and the sports fans were like, "I kind of get it." Okay, the guy <laughs> yeah. literally with four kids never left my side at the hospital except that one time, so we yeah. get him a little break. But yeah, thank you. I'm so excited. Um, listen, it was always. Um, a huge moment in my career and a huge dream of mine. Anytime I got to represent my country, um, I was born into a very patriotic family. I was born with a dad who was an Olympian. And so representing my country has always been like the highest honor. So, um, yeah, I was pretty, pretty happy when things worked out and able to try and give this a shot. Um, what an uh, amazing, um, opportunity, but also, um, a lot of pressure here. I'm like, come on, we got to do right. this. Um, I was part of a couple winning teams, the last one in 2000. And I was like stunned to learn that it 
the U.S. has only won it one time since in 2017. Yeah. So looking to hopefully try uh, and turn that around. And mm -hmm. right now, I mean, we have amazing American players. So hopefully I just keep my mouth shut <laughs> and just let them do their thing. Uh, things will happen. I know you're not one that's huge collectibles or you know showing off your accomplishments, but it was that 2000 team. There's a photo that's been circulating a bunch on the internet even before you got the job. It's like the iconic team. It's you, the Williams sisters, and Monica Sells. That like was that 99, has, I think. 99, okay. 99, yeah. Okay. No, it, it, you know, crazy when we think back. Like, like that team's insane. I, I don't even know how <laughs> Billie Jean was able to do it because there were so many of us um, in the top 10. There were so many yeah. of us going after Grand Slam titles. We can't forget uh, Jennifer Capriotti, myself, Monica, and I think it was Lisa Raymond was the 2000 mm. team. So <laughs> anyway, you kind of like look yeah. at it. Um, there was a lot of juggling. And when I think back, like I never felt like that was the case when we were mm -hmm. playing. That's what an amazing job Billie Jean did. And like, if I look at where I am now in my position, when we have Coco, we have Jess Pagula, we have Madison right outside the top 10. We have yeah. just this amazing group right now of players as well. And I look forward to hopefully having that same kind of um, great camaraderie and teamwork and um, first, you got to make them buy in how yeah. important this event is mm -hmm. and uh, look forward to trying to do that. The in-game stuff, because it's so rare, right? Even with coaching now, having a captain on the court as your motivation, but also giving you advice. What can you learn from, I guess, that process when you were a player that you're going to try to <laughs> I was do like, with the players? I was like the biggest nightmare because I was like, <laughs> Billy, I put my hand up. Like, I'm not ready to hear anything. I know <laughs> you're an all-time great, but totally, I got it. Totally, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. The other thing that Billy used to do, which is really funny, is she would just watch her player. So, like, mm. she wouldn't turn her neck from side to side. She was always just interested. And a couple of times I was like, Billy, you're freaking me out here. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think when you're really close and you have a good relationship with someone, um, there's, like, honest feedback. And, mm -hmm. of course, there's a gigantic learning curve for myself on um, getting to know the players even better so know what they like, when to say something, when not to. Um, and, obviously, looking forward to working with all the players and their yeah. own teams. I, yeah. I don't... You know, the format's so different now right. that it, you can't, um, not naive to think like, oh, I'm going to really help someone with their game. My mm -hmm. job is to help man help them manage certain matches, help put them mm -hmm. in the right position to play those matches, um, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's exciting, though. And, and again, congrats on everything. And, and the last note on this is the talent pool is super deep. It's not just the names you mentioned, but the young crop of players coming up it will be very competitive to make this team theoretically going forward. Which is great. <laughs> um, you know, you, I mean, there's so many players, like, right? I mean, you've yeah. got Danielle Collins. I mean, how about yeah. Caroline Dolahide? She's now in the top 50. <laughs> yeah. Kennan, uh, Peyton Stearns has done amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many, like, I, um, to say it. But the other thing that really excited me about this job was um, part of the weeks is working with the next generation. Mm. And these are the young ladies that are actually my son's age at between 15 and 18 years old. And I'm telling you, that group is amazing also. It's mm. led by Clervy and Gunaway. There's Tyra Grant. There's, I mean, there's Robin Montgomery, who's just a little bit older. Yeah. Um, that part is pretty awesome too. And I, I don't know, and I don't <laughs> think I'll be around to be their captain, but just to be, have them around these next few years and watch their development also is pretty exciting. It's like building any like sports team, like a team sport yeah. thing. You start young, you build the base up. There's already such a great top heavy thing, but it's good to know that USA women's tennis is in good hands. Um, before we get to this week's WTA finals, Lindsay, you know, there's still, and I, again, we both love this time of year, but the WTA Elite Trophy, uh, the one in China, I don't know if you watched that final, but that was an incredible match. 
between Beatrice, Head Ed Maya, and Quinwin Zhang. Head Ed Maya won, and yep. speaking of this Billie Jean King Cup, it was a true road game. Yeah. Like it was in China against a great player game for it. It was tie break heavy. And it was silence when she won her points. <laughs> that was, you know, I watched that and I was like, this is going to go a long way for her because she won in a hostile environment that doesn't, in tennis, happen that much. No, and by the way, she also won the doubles. So yeah. what an amazing end of the year for Beatrice. But, um, you know, that is the beauty of this sport. And we just talked about the Billie Jean King Cup, but that was part of the magic when I played. Those yeah. home and away ties uh -huh. and you kind of get used to that. And I remember going to Spain and having, I don't know if it was eight or 10,000 against us or <laughs> we went to Japan once and I was walked in. Was that like in, bull, in a bull ring? Did oh they my gosh, yeah. yeah. And one yeah. time we walked into Japan <laughs> Um, and Monica and I walked out on opening ceremonies. I'll never forget. Like she all of a sudden started squeezing my hand. We walked out there. We had no idea it'd be like 12,000 packed, you know? And yeah. so that, that's, yeah. uh, it's amazing when you get that atmosphere at tournaments as well. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the Chinese women also, they're very good and coming up again. Um, obviously, um, they were so inspired by Lee Na, but, um, we kind of need that atmosphere in Cancun right now. Yeah, <laughs> Feels like yeah. that could really help I, the I WTA did, finals. Oh, man. I did want to, before we get to that, I did want to yeah. get to with Quinn Win. It's good yeah. to see the push to end the year. You know, given what went down after the U.S. Open, it's nice to see she's got her feet under her, still someone with a lot of potential. And, you know, there's different ways that these coaching breakups happen, some good, some bad. Yeah. So it's good to see she wasn't completely sidetracked by it. No, and a lot of times you – um, you don't hear about it, or sometimes those of us involved in the sport hear about it, but you know, don't really want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. it. It's something different when the player is then open enough to discuss it. Um, and she was heartbroken and she made no bones about it. Or coach who signed a contract whim, then went back on his word, went back to Osaka. All that stuff happens. You can change your mind at any time as a player and as a coach. Um, uh, but you know, she was hurt and mm -hmm. uh, a lot of props for her for speaking openly about it. Um, I have a feeling she's putting together a very good team again for next year. And, um, I think she'll, uh, probably be stronger when it's all said yeah. and done. And a lot of people would want to coach her. Yeah. The oh, she's got there. a great game. It, it's, yeah. it's remarkable. Well, the WTA finals is in Cancun, Mexico. A lot's been said about it. And I don't want to turn this into completely bashing the situation, but <laughs> I would just say unfortunate would be the word that I keep coming back to because this is. One of the biggest honors in the sport, you you know firsthand, you work your gear yeah. to get to this point. You would expect a pretty solid standard for what you've accomplished, and sadly, that hasn't been the case. No. Uh, you know, the first year I was thinking about this, the first year I played the WTA Finals, I believe was uh, like 93 or 94, 94 maybe, I yeah. don't want to misspeak, played it for, I don't know, 12 years or whatever it was. I don't think I ever played in front of an... Yeah. Empty. It was MSG for a bit, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, but yeah. I, even, I mean, we, even when we moved to Staples Center in LA, okay, it wasn't as packed as Madison Square Garden, yeah. but it wasn't empty. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think there was just a lot of disarray, it seems like, around this tournament um, in the delay and even picking a city. And then supposedly they had an indoor venue. Mm -hmm. Then they found out after picking it that it was too low or the lights mm -hmm. or something. So then they had to find a temporary one. Now they're on a golf course. Um, it doesn't feel like this is the crown jewel of right. the women's tennis year. And I think the players are upset. They don't like the surface. It's an imperfect surface. There's different bounces, um, you know, and why this should be, they should be treated like royalty at this event. Only eight players, eight singles players make it. And yeah. it just doesn't feel like that's the case. There's other, you know, ins and outs, like the inside baseball, inside tennis, so to speak, of what players would know, right? That the practice facilities aren't good, that there's not enough stringers on site, that they're not able to practice on the court 
much beforehand. And it's just, it's a very sad situation. And for players that, you know, don't want to name any names, but they know that they might not get back here again, or they got there for the first time, this should be a cherished experience. And, you know, you're seeing top players that have won matches speak out. That speaks the most volumes to me. This isn't all just sour grapes after losing. No, exactly. Yeah. I- exactly. And I think it's, I mean, at least half of them have been very open about um, the situation that mm-hmm. they're feeling there. And some of them have played a finals before. Some have played multiple. Um, you know, it it is tough. I mean, who can handle it the best? Who can just put their head down yeah. and just play and not worry about everything? That player ultimately most right. likely is going to be the winner out there. Um, but it, it does get back to to the, the first thing is if you're the tour and you, you don't run the majors, mm. this is your crown jewel. It, mm. it's, it's inexcusable that, again, it was six or seven weeks or whatever it was, eight weeks before to even get a yeah. city. You know, there were certain mistakes that were repeated, it seemed, again and again. But you were the one that kind of, and you're kind of <laughs> turning into like the breaking news, you're jumping <laughs> no. off point in My Cincinnati. sarcastic way. That was, was like, but that was funny that Caroline no one really Garcia, knew. Yeah. And it was like, wait. She won the finals last year. Wait, is there a finals? I'm like, and that took first, off on the internet like, because wait. no one knew the answer to that yeah, question it collectively. Was, it, it was crazy to me. Like when I was thinking about it, like, wait, they don't know, right? Yeah. And I know there were some rumors about Saudi Arabia and, and other cities and stuff, but we went through this the year before. Right. Okay, two years ago, yeah, with COVID was really tough. Yeah, last year it happened again. Like, there's no excuse <laughs> yeah. for it to happen for another time. Yeah, and the fans in in Mexico and Cancun, it's not about them. It's just last minute no publicity hard to promote the event which is what happened in fort worth so we'd like to see the playing there but you have to make do want to give full marks and props to the women that got here before yeah. we look at the matches just say a little something on each story you know and she didn't have a great first match she'll play again tonight but on Shabore getting here you know a lot's been made and she's got the rematch tonight but that wimbledon final the last time we talked going into that that took so much out of her, and most of it, I think, was mentally. It's good to see she was able to get a small title, get back here. But I can, and I'm curious your perspective. I can see she's still kind of going through a lot, processing how to get back on track after such a heartbreaking loss. Yeah, she is emotional, and she is very open with her feelings. Um, the other thing is she's been injured a lot this year. Mm-hmm. I, I remember when um, watching her play in Australia. And going, oh, she does not look healthy. And she didn't look super fit. And Andy Roddick used to say this, and he taught me that about the eyeball test. You get down under in January, (laughs) you look around, you see exactly who's been putting in the work, and you see exactly who is really ready to take advantage of (laughs) putting in all the hard work in the offseason and ready to go. And I remember seeing her, I go, she doesn't look like she's Mm -hmm. totally ready to go. And sure enough, loses and has to have knee surgery. Mm. And that was a big sign for me. And then she missed some time. Then she came back early. Um, then she battled other injuries. It was a tough year. And if yeah. I had to guess, when all is said and done, she's going to look with her team and still go, gosh, what a great accomplishment. You still finished the year eight, in yeah. the top eight somewhere. Um, weren't at your best at certain times. You still managed to get to a Grand Slam final. Um, but, you know, she's made no bones about Winning a major, especially Wimbledon, is the goal. And to have her heart broken again, it is really, really tough to get over. Mm -hmm. So I think she's one of these players that really kind of needs a good offseason, needs to be healthy, needs to put the work in. We know her game is Mm -hmm. exquisite. She just needs to be healthy and and get back on the right track, it seems like. And this is the tournament. I mean, say what you want about the, the quality and everything. 
there are sharks swimming in the water. Like yeah. if you have weaknesses, these are the best women in the world. They are going to expose it. And we saw that a lot. You know, Coco Goff comes into here off of her first major. She beat on pretty thoroughly last time. But there's been developments in her game, also how she's handled expectations. I know she had the loss to Iga, but Coco, it's always maturity with her. It seems to be the word that comes up. Even handling success, it's not surprising, but she's handled it as well as anyone can. Yeah, I mean, I actually love um, what she's done since winning the U.S. Open because players go in a lot of different trajectories after winning a major. Some, you know, keep playing or go chase the money or go everywhere. And, there, you know, last fall was a really tough time if you were a golf fan watching her play. She played in the Open, then she played in San Diego, then she played in Mexico, then she played in Fort Worth, and it was tough. And, you know, if you looked at her at any of, like, the, the replays, if you look in her eyes, she did not look happy. Yeah. And I remember watching her in Fort Worth, um, and I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I hope we don't lose her. Mm. You know, I hope, like, overplaying and all the expectations and all these things on such a, an amazing talent. Listen, we've seen it a lot in women's tennis. And I remember thinking, gosh, I hope this doesn't happen. And amazing job by her team, her family this year in kind of getting rid of that. You're exhausted at the end of the year, yeah. right? And now you have this life-changing moment at the Open. She's played one tournament. She's ready to go here now. And so I, I don't know. I, I love to see that. And I mean, I shouldn't be saying don't play <laughs> tournaments. So I don't mean <laughs> yeah. to propose that. Yeah. But you want to see Coco Golf playing into her mid-30s. Yeah. You've got to keep her fresh. You've got to keep her happy. Let her celebrate um, her biggest goal since, you know, she's picked up a racket. Um, I really like the way that she played in her first match. She's obviously a big favorite. Listen, she's going to go achieve many, yeah. many more amazing things. It's crazy and, and sad outright how many can't miss prospects do miss yeah. because of what you said. And, you know, we talked last time, the age limit thing that's helping, you know, keep players from going and, you know, the maturity there. And I know Brad Gilbert's worked a lot with her and her team and she's just so grounded. She's got a rematch coming up with Iga. And listen, I think Iga has handled the reset as well as anyone losing the number one ranking, which is a mentally draining thing, but she's been open about the pressure she felt. I also think for Coco's case, and we can kind of get into it, but it could be the best thing that, you know, she hasn't, she's risen up the rankings, Lindsay, but there's still Iga who beat her the last time is eight and one head to head. There's still that test that has to be passed. And Hopefully we get some good rivalry matchups, but the last time they played, Igor reminded everyone who's got the hammer in this one. Yeah, it was so interesting in Cincinnati because you had an inspired golf, you had a crowd that was, I don't know, 90, 95% behind mm -hmm. her being in the States, and you had an Iga that was a little bit off and yeah. mentally and not, not fully confident, and Coco was able to take advantage. Now, we'll see much different environment mm -hmm. here, much different court, much different atmosphere. And we'll see what, what Iga brings here. If if I were on Team Golf, I would be absolutely thrilled that I was in the same round-robin group as her. What does that mean? You can't play in the semis, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm true. serious. True, like, yeah. the, right now, those two, I mean, I, I would love to see them play in the final. Maybe they'll play twice this week. We've seen it before in mm -hmm. WTA finals. So if, if you go into this match, of course, it's a big match for both of them. Um, but based on how they both played in their opening matches, they're in good position to get through their groups anyways. Um, I, I don't know. There's something about Goff and, and her excitement level right now and mm -hmm. everything she's learned that 
Even yeah. if she doesn't win tonight's match, yeah. I wouldn't count her out of winning the whole oh, tournament. Yeah. She gets back off the mat and handles losses, exactly. which is another great quality. Did you ever feel that? I mean, the times you got bumped down in the rankings, whether it was from one down or did you ever feel like Iga said outwardly that it's kind of okay to catch your breath and go back to the drawing board and then start fresh? You know, I for me, I wasn't <laughs> as dominant as Iga. So for there was always, it was never like, oh, I'm going to sit here for three months, <laughs> six months, nine yeah. months, whatever it was. Yeah. It, it seemed like it was always, like up to one down to two up to one there's hingas <laughs> now i'm out now there's this person there you know what i mean so i never was yeah. comfortable uh being at one i never was there for you know yeah. however long she was there what was that like <laughs> it was like 16 months or yeah, whatever it was i mean it's crazy it, I, so i don't want to um but once you're there you're not you you get a pretty good sense of listen i'm not going to be here forever like these players, <laughs> other players are going to improve. It, it stops be, becoming about just staying at one. And um, for Iga, I think there's some motivation to try and get back there, but she's finished a mm -hmm. year number one. She's been there plenty of weeks. I don't think it would be as big of a driving force for her this week. I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, then maybe it would be for Sabalenka trying to finish her first season right. as a world number one. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. More with Lindsay Davenport here on Tennis Channel Inside In. You know, you mentioned it. Sabalenka still does not have it wrapped up. Iga could still get the number one ranking. Sabalenka had a dominant first win, match win over Sakari, lost to Pagula last night. So it's got she's got an elimination match set up against Rabakina. But for Sabalenka, it's still just a fascinating experience to watch when it is going right. The unrelenting power. Yeah. The downside of that being there are times when it doesn't go right and you feel like the wheels are, you can physically see wheels coming off. So when you call a Sabalenka match, what's your take on how she maybe would be able to rein it in and not just go for broke every single time? Yeah, I, I have to say, I have like, on the respect meter, my respect for her is off the charts, <laughs> honestly, because... If you watch her play a few years ago, if you see what kind of player she mm. was, I mean, there is no question that she has put everything together to become number one. And, and she's talked about it a little bit, but mm -hmm. from how she works out to her diet, to how she practices, to how she mentally approaches matches, um, she's gotten to number one because of an incredible amount of hard work. And I think it was maybe when she won the Australian Open, she's, she made like a little quote, like, oh, I haven't had sugar in six months. Or, <laughs> you know, and you watch these videos of her yeah. um, working out. And, you know, she's, she even talked about we started from the inside out. The very basic, just trying to get yeah. control. I mean, she is like a physical specimen now. <laughs> so I don't know. I think that whenever somebody's willing to do that and make those sacrifices to to get to number one, it, it's a pretty awesome yeah. accomplishment. Some players are too scared to do that. Right. 
And so I give her a lot of credit um, for doing that. Um, of course, there's a couple things. You know, she gets like, you know, excited. She pulls off shots. She gets off balance. <laughs> she falls over. Um, so yeah. I, I still think she can get better. Yeah. And that's not always the case with a world number one. Right. There's no one that hits the ball like her. That's the first thing. And I don't want to come off as saying limit her emotions because that's what got her to where she is. But yeah, it is scary to think, right? There's where it is that she can improve. And, you know, in a match against Sakri, she just smothered her. She did yeah. not let her. Coco was able to hit the reset button in the U.S. Open final. If Sabalenka's playing downhill, even, you know, we've seen even Iga get hit off the court, too. So I think that match with Rabakina is going to be one to watch. Rabakina, and I'd put her in that same class as Vondrasova. You know, it's nice to see these players that won Grand Slams from outside back it up and prove that they're top 10 players because that's not always, as you know, the case. Yeah, it's one thing. You know, I actually thought Rabakina was going to have a bigger year than she did. And, yes, I know she's had a great <laughs> year. I know she's four. Um, but after winning Wimbledon last yeah. year and getting to the final, the Australian Open, and then Indian Wells, I would have bet a lot yeah. of. I mean, I can't bet money, but I would have. <laughs> no. I would have said a lot that she would have won a major. So you know, some things happened. I know she had some injuries. I know she had some illnesses. Um, but I think there's a lot more there that she hasn't really found yet. Um, yeah. There's obviously, you know, maybe just a tad more energy would help her. And I know, I'm, listen, I was a super mellow kind of person and down on myself. But you got to kind of fake it sometimes, bounce around mm -hmm. it and look like you're ready to, to really seize the moment out there. And I still think she can get better. But I just want, like, I don't know what it is. Like right. five or 10% is missing because I really think that, she could have done better this year. Again, I know she had a great right. year, but she's leaving. I felt yeah. like she left a little on the table. It's weird, I guess, from the outside to hear her like speaking up about the court and everything there because she never speaks yeah. up. I, and in a weird way, I'm wondering, she's, she brought her best out against Iga again this year, has done well. Maybe that's something she has to work on is getting up for not just the very best in the world because, I mean, that's been the case. Yeah. You've got to be consistent. Listen, the, the level what I yeah. – the, the, the best thing right now about women's tennis is the level that these top women are playing at. We have Sabalenka. <laughs> we have Rabakina. We have Coco. We have Iga. Uh, they're playing at a level, and they're challenging each other. It's great. And I mean, we we yes. talked about, like, how – We had a couple years there yeah. where it was kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. that that's one of the reasons it's not so easy to dominate. But – um, I, I still think they're, I think all of those players, which is pretty exciting, yeah. still have another level they can reach. Love that. Love to hear that. Yeah. And quickly on, uh, you know, she's 0-2 in this, Maria Sakari getting here, the replacement, worked hard to get here, had a tough first three sets, fought back and actually made that West match competitive. But there was that moment I watched on the broadcast where her coach was telling her, like, come on, turn it around. And she looked mentally checked out. Now she did dig back in, but you know, it's tough. She's another emotional player and it's tough when you're on the short end of the stick to really reverse it. You can speak to that more than anyone, but when you're out there in the moment and you feel like the world is against you, it's so hard to just write the ship or try yeah. to reset. I think so far or after these first few days, I think I have been most impressed with her. And I got to tell you, <laughs> losing 18 of 19 games that's... as a top 10 player, I'm not sure that's ever happened. So there she is at 06, 16, 06, 15.40. And I, I don't know how. I think like most players would have just been like, oh my God, get me out of here. How did she do that? She came back and won a set, lost in a tiebreak in the third. Yes, I know when all said and done, she lost that match. But the way she was able to get into that match, given what had happened the previous three right. sets, um, could be the most remarkable thing of this tournament. Um, we've all been there where you feel like you cannot make a ball in the court. If you lose, she almost lost 0-0. If you lose 0-1, 
And then you can just split. You leave town. You're like, oh, I'm out of here. I got to forget about this. She had to go back onto that same court and lost that's, another set 6-0. Yeah. And that's the part about this format that's crazy, right? For tennis players aren't used to getting beaten, beaten bad, and then yeah. having to take the court again. So that could mentally break you or maybe in this case, turn it around for That's you. why mad props to her yeah. for um, being able to yeah. dig so incredibly deep and, and pull out a level mm -hmm. that we know is her level. I know. You know, what we saw there in the beginning um, wasn't the Maria Sakari that we know. So I, I'm really, my heart was bleeding for her. And I left last night going, gosh, that's a hell of an effort from her. For a top 10 player who's been there as long as she has to not have the titles and also have the major, you know, letdowns the last couple of years, not getting to the fourth round. We'd like to see the turnaround and maybe this is a step. Yeah. I, I saved the the story for last though. Jesse Pagula, who's yes. won her first two matches. <laughs> I couldn't believe 49 and 0 after winning the first set. Neither like that, could she. <laughs> yeah, no. Steve I, told her. I, I love Steve, but I would not have told her. <laughs> I would have to keep so the streak funny. going. Yeah. You know? She did though, because yeah. he told her after her first match yeah. and she still won That's the next good. one. I went into this tournament, Lindsay, and I know this is a huge accomplishment, but I went in thinking who stands to gain the most might be her even before she won these matches because everybody else here has either won a Grand Slam or got to a final this year. She's as consistent as any player. This is an opportunity to beat the best and maybe send a message like I belong in this discussion on the shortlist. Yeah, it, it's so tough. I mean, you, you set out every year and you have your goal for the year when you're a top player. Some players... Let other people know, let the media know, and others kind of keep them to themselves. She made no bones about it. I got to get past the quarters of a major. Years done, she wasn't able to do that. She's a top five player. She could be and should be getting, to, she deserves to be in the last, at least the final four of a major. Mm -hmm. um, so for her to come into this tournament, and she's another player, went 0-3 last year. Not think she was... Um, you know, obviously we didn't know what was going on with her family situation last year with her mm -hmm. mom being so ill. She was really sick going into Fort Worth. Never said that. Never made an excuse. Um, wow, she's really turned that around um, this year. It's great to see. She has a lot of upside also. We talk about these top players. I still think there's another level for her to get to. Yeah. And I think it'll be unlocked when she wins a tournament like the WTA finals or finally gets through to the semis of the major. I think that then she'll have a lot of that players sometimes don't even realize they're carrying stuff on their shoulders, right? right. And like yeah. expectations or the, what they put on themselves. I think when she's able to unlock that, I think she plays even better. I think she's beaten everyone now in the yeah. top, like she beats Iga, Coco, and Sabalenka now this year. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty good work if you can get it. She's yeah. someone that is waiting for her moment and uh, it's just nice to see another one going. And, and that leads us into the matches tonight and beyond. So you have Vondrasova and Ons. It's essentially a winner-go-home wow. matchup. Wow. Vondrasova, the lefty check that's yeah. trying to get back there. And I mean, it's both been taking, of them. Yeah, this is an emotional match, and this is the rematch of that Wimbledon final. Yeah, I just both of them didn't play their best in their opening match. Uh, Marquetta may be a little bit better when she was playing mm -hmm. um, Iga. But let's see. I mean, similar to the battles that Sakari had last night, let's see what Ons can do. I mean, not easy for her winning one yeah. game against Goff. She was in the exact same position. Um, she's going to want to start well, but uh, that's a pick em to me. Right. Um, gosh, I don't have a, a, a good feel on, on who wins that. Do you? No, I would say, I mean, Vondrasova didn't look like she served great. If she was really outspoken in her disappointment yeah, so that's, also. She's been the most outspoken. I feel like if her serving improves, I would lean Vondrasova. Yeah. But, yeah, Ans, Ans, you can see when she plays, you can tell happier said by how she plays. It's a really... Weird slash cool, you know, trait yeah. to have. 
That seems like a pick to me. Iga yeah. Coco, though. I mean, everyone's looking forward to I that I know. I, I, I... Like, how could... Like, okay, explain it to me in layman's terms why Iga has had such favorable outcomes in this matchup. What suits her well in this matchup? Well, she's got the ability to finish points a little easier mm-hmm. than Goff, right? She can step in off both wings, off mm-hmm. the forehand and the backhand when anything's short. Historically, Goff hasn't been able to do that on the forehand. The forehand has gotten better mm-hmm. in the last few months. I think she comes into a different headspace. You know, Brad Gilbert changed a lot of things for, for Coco, and one of them also was the mentality on the serve. And I, we would watch Goff play, and we knew... We know she could serve 120, and she would get up there and hit a first serve at 95. You know, you've got to hold your serve every time against Iga, and Goff wasn't doing that. And you also play a player, um, Goff is faster than everybody. Yeah, Iga's the closest. And and so all of a sudden she's playing someone with with a similar big weapon like that in the foot speed. Um, But now she builds points a little differently. I think the belief is there. Goff is more willing to get free points on her serve. She's more willing to step in, especially on the backhand, to finish points off. Um, But we'll see. How much can Iga control this match with her forehand? Yeah. How much is she... Like, what's the percentage of forehands hit to backhands hit? Um, That's going to be huge. Listen, the court's not a perfect surface. Let's see which one of these players also handles it Mm -hmm. better. Iga started out slow against Vondrasova, yeah. ran away with it from, you know, flipped from 2-5 down. And both the these players, by the way, have kept mum on the court, I believe. I haven't heard too much. Yeah, Iga maybe a little, but not much. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't, it wasn't I'd as have much to as some of the yeah, others. Not the really Bacana, much. Sabalenka, I think Iga was more, it wasn't the best setup. Yeah. I don't think she's actually called out the court. Yeah. The, the only thing I would add, and I agree with all that, is Iga's one of her best weapons is between the ears, how smart yeah. she is. Yeah. She's so cerebral out there. Maybe Coco's improvement she can't target like she had, but I just felt like in those matchups she used her brain a lot. Yeah, she cracked in Cincy, and yeah. she cracked yeah. to her camp. You can mm-hmm. see it when it comes. She did it at Wimbledon, and it's Fidelina. Mm-hmm. Couldn't believe the meltdown she was yeah. having out on center court because she's normally so good at yeah. kind of containing all that. So I don't think Iga's going to have a meltdown in right. Cancun, not as much in the spotlight, not as mm-hmm. much pressure. Um, and golf has been just rock solid emotionally so good. Yeah. yeah. ever since Wimbledon. It's it's a fun one, and we're going to post this tomorrow as we record oh, this. Oh, no, so, so then, then that's the thing. Like yeah, sorry, we got the matches. About. <laughs> hey, it's not as bad as when I talked with Paul Anacone yesterday about Paris, and we're like, Alcaraz Djokovic <laughs> oh, could be great. No. Oh, so if no. you're listening to the first oh, part Paul. of this podcast, <laughs> it was mostly me, but Alcaraz, unfortunately, didn't you know, no, live up exactly. to the preview there. Uh, Lindsay Davenport, this has been a blast. I guess last thing, looking ahead to 2024, anything storyline-wise, return-wise, young players well, emerging geez, stand what, out to you? Uh, in women's tennis, I think <laughs> there's going to be a, a huge story about some of the moms returning. Right, got a little snippet of Caroline, who played so well at mm. the U.S. Open. But if things continue to progress like we think they are, we're going to have Osaka back. We're going to have Kerber back as well. Um, I'm missing anybody it's else. A lot of majors. Yeah. Yeah, well, we saw Svitolina come back. Svitolina already. Yeah. Caroline's going to be out there playing more of a full-time schedule. We got, again, yeah. she just played a few tournaments, uh-huh. but that always makes it exciting. Now we just need to get Ash Barty back. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. She's, she you, has shown no signs of that. When you're calling these matches with somebody, do you feel like they're scouting in the moment, like when these current or players that have come back? Because Shelby Rogers told me when we did this show, oh, it's the best in-person scouting I could get. That's so funny. Yeah, team. I mean, nothing gets you back out <laughs> faster yeah. on tour than working here (laughs) with us at Tennis Channel. No, we're kidding. But um, no, I I think that you get a great perspective when you're away from the game, um, when you see the sport through a different lens. I know Mm -hmm. when I played, I had no idea everything that went on around it. You're so caught up in your own world. So um, I think a lot of players come back with a different perspective and more grateful to be back out there competing. 
Last one I have for you, is there anybody that you could see making the finals next year? Someone that's on the outside, a player, or just players you think could be in the hunt that aren't in the finals, maybe up-and-comers? Okay, and i got to pull up the <laughs> rankings just so I don't miss okay. anybody. I, you okay. caught me off guard there. I did a little okay. bit. This is just Who is coming up? Um, well, we talked about her earlier. Kim, I never say it right. Kinwen? Yeah. Yes. Um, I think she That's a great one. That's a very, very good choice. Very good chance there. Um, gosh, we'll see with the Fruvertova sisters make it all the way back. Mira Andreva, by the oh. way. She's going to be there. I don't know if it'll be in 2024. Um, but she will um, make the finals at some point soon. Hmm. Who People am I have said, by the way, I just this is a, an aside. Do you see the do you see the comparisons, the doppelganger with the young Tracy Austin on there? On Andreva? Andreva? Yeah. Oh, I hadn't heard that, bit. but yeah, a I could bit. see that. Okay. Um listen, oh, there's the women's tennis right now is in, a, in a great position. Okay, I'm gonna give you one more though, don't it? It could be a vet too, by the way. I know, thank you. Yeah. I'm looking. Yeah. I'm going down there. Had dad Maya also. That's yeah. Listen, she's got a lot of upside. Yeah, um, big game too. Even I mean, even the run that Maddie made at the U.S. Open, if she can keep it going, yep. that was a brutal, tough ending. But it was a great run all the way. Now, to there. do we see Muguruza back? There's another one, right? Could Maybe. be. I hope so. Um, yeah. Gosh, there's a lot of good players, a lot of talent. I'd love to see Emma Raducanu, Layla Fernandez. Mm -hmm. um, just be back, be healthy, be back playing. They're they deserve it, too. What's not to like about women's and yeah. pro tennis? There's just so <laughs> much. Well, Lindsay Davenport, this has been a blast. I saw a courier walking by. So yeah, I'm he gonna, was giving me that dirty I'm, look there. I'm huh? going to try to get him to teach that? me some French later, so we'll try to work <laughs> on that. But, uh, no, it's a blast. Yeah. Thanks you so much for coming on the show. You're always welcome. We'll do this again. Appreciate you as a guest anytime on Tennis Channel Inside In. Thank you, Mitch. It's always a real treat to talk to a Hall of Famer. Thanks to Lindsay Davenport for joining the show. And again, props to her for being named the Billie Jean King Cup captain starting in 2024. A perfect choice if ever there was one. You can hear her on the airwaves calling all the WTA finals action in Cancun until the conclusion of the tournament. So thank you again to Lindsay Davenport. And now we talk to Paul Anacone, coach of the stars. He's coach Roger Federer, Pete Sampras. He's working with Taylor Fritz, who had to shut his season down, unfortunately. We have unable to complete the Paris Masters. Anacone discusses Fritz's 2023, previews the action that we're expecting to see in Paris. Carlos Alcaraz already upset in that one. Novak Djokovic returning to the court, trying to end the year strong. The race to the ATP Finals in Turin has one final stop. It is this Paris Masters. And let's break it all down with Paul Anacone now on Tennis Channel Inside In. All right, Tennis Channel Inside In now welcomes on to the show. It's been about a year, uh, far too long. That's totally on me. But uh, one of the best coaches this game's seen, a uh, premier player in his own right, and now a reoccurring official because it's been yearly, you know, regular guest on this podcast. Paul Anacone joins us fresh from the booth calling matches from the ATP Paris Masters. Paul, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Mitch, I was wondering if I offended you last time. I mean, it's been so long. I was like, golly, what did I say last time? I have to re-listen to it. We have uh, such a deep Rolodex of announcers. I don't want to offend anyone, oh, so I'm trying to share the wealth you. and the love. I got you. Okay. But every time you get to come on here, it's good. I like to you know, learn a little bit about the game that I'm following, and uh, we've reached the you know, ultimate ending of the season. It's been an eventful year, which it always is. This does feel a little different, I would argue, maybe on the men's side. And I wanted to start with that epic final in Vienna last week, Medvedev and Sinner. 
to get two players of that caliber to play that type of match, I don't know that it's the most common thing in the world, Paul. Indoor end of the year, Sinner and Medvedev brought it, and Sinner finally gets a win in one of those physical matchups against a guy who had had his number up until this year. Yeah, it's good. Look, whenever you see a power baseliner play uh, one of the best defenders that we have, if not the best, along with Novak, and you see uh, tennis of that quality, it's fun to watch. You know, you yeah. just wonder, is Sinner going to be able to find ways often enough to finish points? And he did. It was great <laughs> tennis, and he's had an amazing year. Getting to the net, right? Like, I don't remember seeing that side of him until this year. And credit to the team, Darren Cahill, the coaches he's worked with, the time he's put in. That was like the one last thing was all these long epic matches it seemed like he was on the losing side of. Now he's got a couple tournaments in a row where he's got hardware and he's won those physical matchups. Yeah, he's done a great job. And look, I know they work extremely hard. Darren is one of the best coaches in the business and he's got a great team around them. And look, he's gotten better. His tennis game has gotten better. He's always hit the ball big from the back of the court. But like you said now, to add that element to come forward and be comfortable coming forward and finishing, that is a great added asset. What do you think it is? You know, Medvedev just can't seem to defend any of these titles. It's like the one of the weirdest stats I've seen. He has all this hardware, but he can't you know win a tournament twice so far, at least. Yeah, I, I'm not overly concerned about it. He's one of the most accomplished hardcore players in the world, if not the most. And and I just think it's one of those matches where he lost a narrow one. And he's had such a good mm -hmm. year. He's played a ton of tennis. So I, I think he's doing just fine. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he's got the level back up to where he wants it to be. So I saw the stat. Medvedev has the most wins that a player's had since Nadal in 17. We'll see. You know, I know people manage schedules. Alcaraz and Djokovic at the top of the rankings missed time. But Medvedev's season, he said it. If it wasn't for the Grand Slam, not failures, but setbacks, this would have been his best year as a pro. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he has had so many titles and so many big match wins. And mm -hmm. these majors, he hasn't mm -hmm. done what he's wanted to do as a whole. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you play that much and you win that much, you're there or thereabouts anyway. So, he, look, he, he's a great player. He knows what he's got yeah. to do, wants to finish the year strong. We've had this discussion, right, what's tennis going to look like when the big three, big four are on their way out. Djokovic is still very much the you know, best player in the world. But it is interesting, right, end of 2023, Pam Shriver said we're starting to get a glimpse on what the future is going to look like. There is a clear top four. Sinner has proven that he's in that 3-4 spot with Medvedev, Alcaraz, and Djokovic. Do you see it that way? Obviously, it's changeable, but there has been a premier four players on tour this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually look at it a little differently. I look at a premier two. I think Alcaraz yeah. and Novak are a little bit better than everybody. And then I would <laughs> probably give Medvedev the next tip of the mm -hmm. cap. And then from four... To kind of 12, I <laughs> yeah. think, you know, you can get, you can make an argument that there's a lot of interchangeable sp parts and you could probably go to 15 as yeah. well. So if I'm one of those guys between <laughs> three or four and 15, I'm thinking there's great opportunity for me out there. And I think as a fan, it's exciting. I love watching it. It's very exciting. Uh, the other championship last week I wanted to touch on in the men's game was Felix Ojealiasim re repeats his tournament title win at Basel beats Hubie Hercosh, who's on a tremendous run, pushing for the finals. But we were talking about Felix the last couple months. Like, is he going to find rhythm? What's happening here? Is it game? Is it confidence? He looked pretty confident out there, and he went through some tough players in Shevchenko, Runa, and then Hubie to get back in the winner's circle. And you see very quickly what makes him such a special player. Yeah, look, I mean, to me, it's a head-scratcher all year to see him going into Basel with a losing record. It's hard to imagine. The guy is so good. 
And his average level should be way better than it has been this mm-hmm. year. You know, you talk about his his high levels, high levels off the charts. But to me, yeah. your average level is what happens in the big moments and what you do in big moments. And when he struggled, I didn't think it would drop as much as it's dropped. To, so for me, I think it was 90% mental and 10% tennis. Yes, yeah. we expect him to be back high up in the rankings where he belongs. And I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, the quote, it's just the powerful one you gave. I don't want to butcher it, so I'll let you fix it. But it's something along the lines of like, you know, you're going to have a handful of great matches and a handful of bad matches and where you are is in the middle. Is that how you Pretty see much, the other yeah. pro tennis I mean, tour? There's a little yeah. bit of garbage and a little <laughs> bit of spectacular stuff. And how good are you on your average day? You know, that's what yeah. makes you up, that adversity, the days where you struggle or if you get yeah. in a slump. Can you still find ways to win? And Felix hasn't yeah. been able to do that as much this year, mm-hmm. but I just think it's a matter of time, and that confidence from last week's going to help. When I first heard that quote, in addition to just completely agreeing with it, I thought, man, does that say a lot about the big three, about the legends of the game? We've got the Sampras's, the Agassiz, that where they are in the middle, consistently getting it done. In a way, and I know Djokovic just hit 397 weeks at number one, some incomparable you know, record. That's almost as important and, and special to me on the outside as the major slams is that week in, week out, he is just getting results, and his baseline game is so special. Yeah, I mean, look, look at what he's done this year. I mean, he's ranked number one in the world. He hasn't hardly <laughs> played at all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so... You know I, know, I know Alcaraz could finish the year number one. Yeah. He's had a terrific year, but in my opinion, there's no way Novak no, Novak <laughs> shouldn't be number one no matter what. He's won three out of the four majors, got to the right. finals of the other one. So he's my year-end number one anyway. Right. right, one shot almost in that Wimbledon final could have swung the match. And yeah, I, I, I see exactly what you're saying. I think I heard you say something similar on air this week where Alcaraz could very well get a deserved number one ranking, finishing in Paris, finishing the year-end championships. But people all recognize who the best player this year is and who going into 2024 should be at the top of the food chain. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember back in the day coaching Pete Sampras, <laughs> and Pete used to talk to me about that all the time. Sure, you want to win the, you know, do well on the tour and win the big, bigger tournaments, the 1,000s and year in championships, but, you know, he always looked at how the majors kind of unfolded. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, had a significant number of majors that year, then that was yeah. as good as being number one if someone else didn't. Yeah, just a, a quick note on that. Again, we're offering our condolences to Pete's wife, Bridget Wilson Sampras, uh, what she's going through uh, just growing up. I mean, I know you worked with him and her friends with him. My mom's whole side is Greek, so we were big Sampras fans. It was oh, okay. kind of my intro into the game. Okay. There wasn't many Greek athletes, you know, so we had yeah, to latch absolutely. on. Absolutely, that's right. Um, we had to latch on. <laughs> but, you, no, uh, you know, well wishes to her. The Alcaraz quote I wanted to get back to, he said, and he openly, we know he's a good kid and he's very, you know, positive and just says what's on his mind. He said, I'm thinking about Djokovic, like he's on on my mind. When you've worked with special players, maybe not publicly, but if they echoed those same sentiments, like I'm thinking about this guy that's in my way? Not really, you know. um, I can remember even with Roger, and Roger obviously had a long history where he struggled with Rafa. Rafa won more, you know. But, you know, we would talk about it, but it never was that myopic. You know, Mm -hmm. it was always about the macro. And that's one of the things, and I think that's part of youth yeah. I think that's part of being youthful for Alcaraz because Novak's the best player in the world, so sure he's <laughs> going to be focused on him. But as he continues to play, and even already when you watch him schedule, you see his ability to look at the big picture. So sure, it gives him a target yeah. to emulate and to look at, but I think I think uh, Alcaraz and Juan Carlos Ferro do such a good job at looking at the macro that they're going to focus on the big picture. 
and they know that that journey is going to have Novak in front of them for the time being. Yeah, the age the age gap is a big point in this. We haven't really seen this before, right? Where it's usually guys within a couple years or like a crossing in the night, maybe five six year difference. But this is a pretty sizable age gap, and uh, it is a target to focus on. And just on Alcaraz, I know he's playing his first match today as we record this. How do you think he can better? And the big picture is is definitely on his mind. But finish these years strong, not be hampered with injuries like last year. Hopefully finish strong so we can enter into Australia with some momentum. Yeah, that's the thing. How, how does he, to me, when you're that athletic and you're that young, you have to be really careful because you're asking your body to do things that it hasn't done before at the highest level. Mm-hmm. And he's had a couple little injuries already. So I, I'm sure the people around mm-hmm. him are monitoring how much <laughs> he's playing. When is he getting his rest and recovery? How's he taking care of his body? And it seems really good, but the first few years are just a journey to kind of yeah. figure those things out, and that's what he's trying to do right now. Was that the first thing as he's gotten to this elite level that stood out to you from your coaching hat, which is athleticism? Yeah, I mean, to me, I just when I watched yeah. him initially, I just have never seen a kid that young that's so good in all the different areas of the game. And, mm-hmm. and you know, Sampras had a huge serve, was a great server and a good forehand. Agassi was an unbelievable returner and great baseline game. You know, you, you, I, I never saw anyone that could play at this level, backcourt, forecourt, lateral tennis, north-south, offense, defense, drop shots to bring his opponents yeah, in. Yeah. You know, I mean, he can do everything. And when you have someone that's that young, that's able to execute so many different things, to me the most shocking thing was how rarely he makes bad shot selection decisions. Because yeah. the hardest thing when you have that many clubs in your golf bag, so to speak, <laughs> is when do you pick which club? And yeah. he does that incredibly well. Yeah, it's there's not many more. There's not you can't really be too hyperbolic with him. Like he's just no, that just, good. No. <laughs> like it, it's, just, it is. It's insane. Mm-hmm. But I like seeing some of these young guys challenge him. And before we move on to other topics, you know, Holger Runa didn't have a great year understatement after Wimbledon. He's still trying to make the ATV finals. It's a race with Hubie. You look at what's happening off court, bringing in Boris Becker. Do you think that could, and not to get into the X and O's of what the tactics might be, but just ignite something with him or maybe be a good sign that he's working with the legend of the game? Well, I think it's a good sign. Look, you know, Boris you know, has so much historical um, information and all, also so much experiential, experiential information. That's huge. Um, now, so much of the coaching from my experience has been about the conversation and communication between the two. So I, I don't know how that's mm-hmm. going to unfold. But looking on paper, it should be uh, it should be a great addition to his mm-hmm. team. I know his mom's a really strong figure in the picture and has done an unbelievable job in yeah. helping thus far. Now it's a matter of putting the jigsaw puzzle right. together a little bit. So right. when you look at it at face value, it should be incredible added value to his team. Now it's just about letting it take root root for a little bit and let their relationship grow even if it's like managing his schedule and like we talked about with Alcaraz getting your body primed up I know he won Paris last year but he's been hampered with injuries there's been a lot of mileage already on him it wasn't too long ago where we were putting maybe him in that four or five spot as a guy that could contend for slam so I think the game's there and you know he knows that he can compete at this level so it's gonna be a fun race I mean Hubie, what he's done to put himself in this position is pretty remarkable too all the tennis he's played he won that match against Corda this morning where he's, he's not making the finals if he loses. So those two guys battling out for the last spot with a lot on the line. No, it's amazing. It's amazing. Hubie's a, one of the best <laughs> indoor players for sure in the world and one of the best players in the world. And what he did in Shanghai and then getting the finals in Basel, 
he's hit his stride and he's a hard worker. And so I think the energy is still there. And if it's not the emotional possibility yeah. of what might happen, mm-hmm. we'll be there to help push him this week. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. More with Paul Anacone here on Tennis Channel Inside In, talking men's tennis as we gear up for the final weeks of the season. In the middle of the ATP Paris, some unfortunate news with Taylor Fritz this morning, uh, pulling out of the ATP Paris Masters uh, with the ab injury. Talked about it a little bit in his interview with Prakash Armitage on Tennis Channel yesterday, Paul. It's a heartbreaking end of the season for him. I know you've worked with him hands-on as one of his coaches, but it was a guy who obviously prioritized finishing strong, getting back to the finals where he had such a strong showing last year. Unfortunately, when your body tells you these, this thing and gives you these signs, you have to listen to it. Yeah, the biggest challenge is like you know, like everything else in life, I think, is letting go of what you can't control. I mean, there was no negligence or no malintent, no poor preparation that mm-hmm. caused the injury. Injuries happen, and, yeah. and so it's sure it's heartbreaking. And Taylor put a ton of pressure on himself to try to get back to the year-end finals again this year, and looks like it's not going to mm-hmm. happen. And that's okay. That's life. Yeah. You know, life goes on, and and maybe there's some lessons to be learned and some positive things to think about. This does give him some time to rest, recover, and yep. then have a, a really really good push in the offseason. So we'll see how he handles that. But right now it's just about kind of heart heartbreak and trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to get past it. We, we know that he would do everything. We saw the Wimbledon return a couple of years ago where he came back well ahead of schedule. Like he's going to do everything in his power. We all know that. How would you evaluate this year? Because on one hand, maybe the results consistently weren't there. I did feel like in some of the majors, he kind of had a little bit of a breakthrough. He got to certain points, could have won more matches, but U.S. Open finally got on a little bit of a run. How would you evaluate Taylor's 2023? Yeah, I think he had a, I think he had a terrific year. I think the hardest thing for a young player is the sophomore year after getting mm-hmm. in the top 10 or the top five, whatever that yeah. elite level is, <laughs> yeah. it's really hard to back it up. And he came very close this year. I mean, he's yeah. going to finish there, thereabouts anyway. So yeah. to me, to see him back that up and, you know, and to win the titles that he's won and to play such good tennis. And like you said, played well at the U S open, played really well mm-hmm. getting to the quarters before losing to Novak. Um, and and I think that you know I, I I think that he's hitting the ball extremely well. Now mm-hmm. it's about trying to understand kind of periodizing his yeah. schedule so that he plays his best tennis in the big events. It's right. tough to do that. Right. But you have to give yourself the best chance. But look, I think Michael Russell's doing an unbelievable job coaching him. He's a terrific coach um, and knows all there is to know about mm-hmm. forehands, backhands, and how to manage schedule. And he's really done a great job with Taylor. And yeah. also Wolf, his his physio is awesome. So he's he's got right. a good group with him on the road. And then when we're here in L.A., yeah. we'll get some good work done. So I think next year right. is going to be a big year. I don't know if you saw the interview with Prakash on the desk yesterday uh, where he talked about wanting to be a better decision maker on the court. And he said, and I'm just curious your reaction to this. He's like, even if I'm wrong, i, I got to be pulling the trigger faster. I can't be indecisive out there. Yeah, no, I mean, the biggest, the biggest takeaway is be clear and committed. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of my 
biggest mantras is is you know know your identity know your game and in the big mm -hmm. moments do what you do best and if yeah. you lose you're losing <laughs> on your terms so yeah. that's okay yeah i'd rather see anyone lose on their terms than do something that they're not really is in their wheelhouse mm -hmm. so I, I think he gets that and he understands it and he is look he's one of the best mental players out there mm -hmm. so i think that that's probably his one of his biggest assets so he learns and he's gotten better and he will continue to get better last thing on taylor did anything surprise you at that french open reaction with the crowd <laughs> no <Yeah. idea. laughs> i mean you know i under it's, it's all emotion right? yeah it's yeah. all emotion and taylor's an emotional yeah. person so i totally understood yeah. what he did wouldn't have been my first choice because yeah. you have to go back out and play again <laughs> yeah so that that was uh, too bad that 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 happened because you have to go play another match. But look, I totally get it. He was yeah. so ramped up and amped up, and it, I was out there. It was so loud. It was yeah. really hard to play, and he did a great yeah. job getting through that match. So totally understand. No, I mean, I loved it, and I know a lot of yeah. American sports fans love that. And it was just yeah. uh, he made a lot of new fans that day, at least yeah. in this country. Maybe not over there. And yeah. uh, when you look at twenty twenty three and kind of stick with the American theme, would you put kind of the emergence arrival of Ben Shelton on one of the top storylines? Because I feel like it has to be at least mentioned at the short list. Sure, and no, he's done an unbelievable job. First year out of college tennis, playing at such mm -hmm. a high level so well. Um, yeah. I, I think when you have weapons like he does, and you're an athlete like him. You know, the transition is there for the taking, and he took sure. it. You know, he's done a great job with the huge lefty serve, the big forehand, and the ability to disrupt. And I think his self-belief and the energy has yeah. really been kind of the catalyst to him getting to where he is. Would you say technically he looks like a different player? I think I would from Australia to now. It looks like he is playing at a much higher, more consistent he level. He has been playing at a more consistent yeah. level the last, I think, few weeks or last yeah. month and a half or so. Right. I think the middle of the year he struggled mm -hmm. a little bit. <clears throat> which I think is normal too mm -hmm. for a player getting familiar with some yeah. new foot footing. And, um, but look, he has such a high ceiling. I think there's mm -hmm. more great stuff to come. It's just a matter of keeping putting the work in and he'll do that. That stat of four Americans in the top 15, first time in 26 years. I know that made you smile when you read it. I don't know when you saw it, but yeah, it no, it was great. Yeah. Look, and I, I, you know, I think that there can yeah. be more, I think yeah. Seb Corda can, can get up in there. Um, I think there's a couple other young guys and, and people, you know, Brooke Riley hasn't even played. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of possibility. And some of those guys, I won't be surprised when uh, they get into the top 10 because they're yeah. all top 10 talent. And, and let's see what they do. Also, Tommy Paul, I've been so impressed <laughs> with what he's done this year. I think Brad Stein is one of the best coaches out there. And he's really gotten... Uh, Tommy to buy into a philosophy about who he is as a tennis player and Tommy's done an amazing job in terms of decision making and also becoming more professional and you see it in so many matches it's been fun to watch we see this process right like how long it does take you know we're in a society where everyone wants what they want right away but right. you know from the coaching side it's not Rome wasn't built in a day these players that you mentioned, I mean, Shelton's been working with his dad his whole life, obviously, but it's taken time to really hone their game and, and put it together brick by brick. Yeah, it does take time, and there are ups and downs. And a lot, a lot of the transition for the young players is what happens during that adversity. You know, for someone like Ben, who is so great in college, mm -hmm. what happens now in the because there's going to be some adversity. Yeah, and he saw <laughs> a little of it this year, and then had a great U.S. Open, then started to play well again. Mm -hmm. So. You know, players that play this much have to get used to losing. Right. You, know, you have to figure yeah. out how to lose yeah. without it rattling you. And that yeah. that's an art and a skill in and of itself. And the best players do that because they realize you're going to lose. Yeah. And so you just go through it and you figure out how to not let it rock your confidence.
Well, I want to finish up talking about this ATP Paris Masters. There's been a lot of exciting matches already. I didn't think they acknowledged time zones or night sessions. You know, Stan and team. It was like Lionel Richie all night long out oh there. Oh, my gosh. Just insane. Uh, that was a crazy match. Good for team to win that one to get through. You also have, you know, Demon Hour beating Andy Murray. Unfortunate, you know, great match, epic, a lot of fight out there. But Murray was pretty blunt, Paul, in his post-match comments saying, I'm going to have to, you know, think about this. The end of the season, I got to figure out what I'm, you know, what I'm trying to accomplish in these next few years. It's a question that, unfortunately, a lot of pro athletes, tennis players included, have to ask. They do. You have to wonder why you play. Look, he loves to compete. You know, yeah. that's one of the things he absolutely loves to, he was one of the best competitors <laughs> I've ever seen in anything. You know, Roger Federer loved to compete, but he mm -hmm. loved to play more than he loved to compete. Yeah, yeah. And so there's, you play for different reasons and Andy needs to figure it out and he will. And he, uh, to my opinion, my opinion, you give <laughs> um, the great players yeah. carte blanche to figure out why they want to play and if they want to play. And and when you're that close to, you know, look, Demonor's top 15 in the world and Andy <laughs> should have won that match and he should have beat him in Beijing as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, it just shows you how narrow the margins are. So yeah. he's right there. Yeah. But do you want to put yourself through that? And if you do, what can you learn to figure out what to do to actually get better, even mm -hmm. at his age? And I actually think he can. You know, I yeah. think he can become more comfortable and more confident being offensive in big moments. Yeah. He was did a great job from the middle of the second set until the end of the third set being offensive. And then he just just kind of backed off just a little bit, not a ton, just a little bit, but that's all it takes. And then Demonar played some terrific tennis. So, you know, the great thing about sports is no matter how old you are, you can still learn. And Andy's one of the best students of the game. So I'm sure he'll figure out, do I want to torture myself and keep doing this? Yeah. Do I want to learn? Can I get better? What can I do? And is it still fun for me to do it? And yeah. ultimately at the end of the day, it needs to be fun, and only he knows if he's having a good time. The margins are just so slim at this level. Like it's like you said, it was a couple points backing off just a tad. Demon out raises it, and it could have gone the other way. Um, it, it's remarkable what he's done with his ranking, getting up to like a pretty much recent you know high for what's happened since the hip stuff and the fact that he's out there playing with a hip that would set off an, a metal detector at an airport. He's just still going so. Uh, props then we hope to see him much much more uh, the rest of this tournament I mean I know Alcaraz starts today Djokovic comes back do you expect those two to make deep runs is there anybody else on the outside that could really threaten that dream final well look let's look at uh, this tournament historically we've had some strange winners in the mm. past right um, only because well not only because but largely because it's the end of the year there's a lot of stuff going on players trying to get into the year in championships some players most players playing with little nagging injuries right now yeah. so you don't know what's going to happen yeah. um to me novak should be the freshest i think he should play his best tennis if he can get a match or two under his belt mm -hmm. and alcaraz said in his press conference that he's not a hundred percent i don't know what that means mm -hmm. but we'll find out as the tournament progresses to me those two guys are the players to beat but look, it's indoor tennis yeah. and it's Paris. There's a lot that can happen. Yeah, Djokovic staying fresh, not playing any of the Asian swing. I, that must be like a Gen Z thing. I, and I, I'm not saying I disagree with Alcaraz saying I'm not 100%. I don't think many players in your era might have said that publicly. Probably not. I mean, probably <laughs> yeah. not. And he hasn't played that yeah. much lately. So you would think yeah. that he's okay. But it's a long year and it's a young body. So yeah. there's a lot of things that you go through. Holger won this tournament last year. Uh, Djokovic, we know. And, and, 
where I guess the one thing final on Djokovic, where would you put his indoor tennis? I know he's great everywhere, but what makes him succeed in special indoor hardcore? He's great on everything, yeah. right? And and I think the fact that uh, he's done such a great job, and I talked before about getting better mm-hmm. at getting better, that he's great indoors too. Yeah, you know, serving to targets, first strike tennis, the right. ability to return offensively. All these things are just key elements in being mm-hmm. successful indoors. Just goes on to the huge menu of things that Novak does so well. Well, I can't wait to see what happens. Uh, Paul Anacone, this was a blast. Uh, I had to mention, too, you know, I was disappointed I didn't see the statue of Tennessee when I got there. I can't you know? believe it. But it was, was there like, a poster There was somewhere. a poster. It was like you and Bernard King, I think, just <laughs> yeah, side right. by side. <laughs> uh, but Knoxville is a fun town. It was my Great first town. time. They beat Texas A&M when I was there for the football game. So it was uh it was very fun to see. Uh, well, we're excited to have you on this podcast. We'll have to do this again less than a year next time. All right. I'm going to hold you to it. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I right. definitely will. Thanks, Paul Anacone, for coming on Tennis Channel Insight, and always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mitch. Special thanks to Paul Anacone and Lindsay Davenport, two of the premier voices in all of tennis. Appreciate them taking time out of calling matches to join the podcast. And especially thank you to everybody out there for listening, helping this podcast grow as we are ready to turn the page on 2023 and do some big things in 2024. This podcast is on all your podcast platforms. Just search Tennis Channel Inside In, in Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Music, iHeart, whatever you have. Find Inside In, subscribe to it. You will automatically get downloaded episodes to your listening device, your tablet, or your phone. It's a real simple process. And check out all the video episodes on YouTube as well, the Tennis Channel YouTube page for the video episodes of Inside In. Next week, we return to the show. We look at the ATP Finals in turn, which will have the field set. We got the next-gen finals coming up. We got team coverage of events, the Billie Jean King Cup finals, and the Davis Cup finals coming up. It's still an exciting time on the tennis calendar as we're into November. For Paul Anacone and Lindsay Davenport, my name is Mitch Michaels. This was Tennis Channel Inside, and thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.